Recording in progress. Press the right button, Simon. I'm going to. Got it. Right, are we ready? Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Testing Peers. I'm joined, as always, by the usual crew. Chris. Hello. David. Hello. Russell. Hello. And I'm Simon. And we're grateful to be sponsored by Saffron QA. Saffron QA are specialists in testing recruitment, and they provide a range of bespoke recruitment services to organisations across the UK. For further details about Saffron QA, please see the show notes or visit saffronqa.co.uk. Now, today's episode is aligned with Mental Health Awareness Week, and the topic for Mental Health Awareness Week is loneliness. So we thought we'd talk about loneliness in the workplace and well-being in general and and talk about our experiences and and how we've helped our teams in the past um, and going forward. With that, before we get started, Russell, I believe you have some banter for us. Yeah, so I've been thinking about what's been affecting my kind of stress levels this week. So the peers on here will have an idea already what I'm going to talk about. DIY, housework. Um, Actually, it's not DIY. It's when you're getting contractors in to do work on your house or something like that. And the things that go wrong and how that makes you feel. So I was wondering what the peers could share some of their experiences of of household disasters. Building works, either DIY, contractors, where it's gone wrong and caused some damage. Or gone right, maybe. Maybe no one has a problem. Maybe it's just me. Well, for me, it was a DIY disaster. I was putting up some um, metal shelves in the kitchen in our old house. So it isn't this current house. I was putting them right in the corner. So I drilled in, put the screw in. And it was only when it came to the evening when we tried to switch on the lights of the lounge, which is the wall opposite, that realised that I'd screwed through the electrical cable. To my defence, the people who built the house will put put the cable up, not up the wall of the lounge, but up the wall of the kitchen. Uh, right in the corner so it was a consequence of that so but we had to get the you know, electrician in bash a hole in the wall and obviously change the cable actually I managed to get the metal shelves up eventually take it no one was hurting them. no luckily I wasn't thrown across the room whilst screwing the shelf up yeah I don't have any a really really good one of one that I had some work that I had done or that I'd done that was bad but I did live in a house where I got to see the consequences of bad work that had happened by the previous incumbent. We um, came to get our oven replaced because uh, the oven's thermostat stopped working. So it was just kind of on or off, which you can work with for a small while, but it doesn't really do a good job. And we'd we paid for the uh, nice one where they come and take away your oven and you get a new oven and they install it for you. And they pulled out the oven and they said, can't install a new oven here, mate. And that was because one, the oven didn't have an earth. Uh, and two, the existing oven also was just on some loose bricks. So it was incredibly dangerous. So we ended up spending, I don't know, 60 quid on a new cabinet, getting it fitted and then fitting the uh, oven ourselves. Obviously, after an electrician had done some earthing, because uh, Chris isn't going to do any wiring works. But that was fun. And we did find some other problems, including very real fire hazards. So that's not helped my adventurous nature when it comes to DIY. <laughs> I think I'm probably even less adventurous than you are Chris with my DIY I've I've never really done a great deal I've done the odd flat pack wardrobe and units and even if I followed the instructions exact they always seem a little bit rickety or you know they don't last particularly long similar to Chris in houses that we've lived in we've noticed when a workman's come in to do some work on it like there was replastering of this house here and when he did the replastering he found that there was old Christmas cards covering up holes in the wall underneath the plaster just to try and 
botch some spaces amongst many other things yeah it's 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 not a strong point for me and uh i try and avoid it at all costs i've been always never that lucky with contractors i guess maybe it's being a tester so my most recent one was uh, one of two one they were removing a floor from a bathroom and there were screws through the floorboards that were about an inch too long for the floor so by bashing and hammering they managed to knock that screw to go through a water pipe thus causing the central heating system to drain through my kitchen. There's the time where they didn't close the boiler up when they um, were refilling the hot water system after putting a new radiator in. So the pressure grew and grew and grew uh, and leaked out the pipe at the side, the pressure release valve that dripped down the side wall of the house, which is obviously porous. So it kind of went into it and that sort of gathered at the bottom of a joist. And so that leaked into kitchen again. Um, And there was the one yesterday where they hadn't actually sealed the drain for the shower that they just installed. So after having a shower, the water drained through the hallway and things. So yeah, not good for your stress levels. Certainly not good for your health. Things like showering, things like that, general hygiene, are things that actually do help your mental health. Uh, you know, keep and look after yourself. So yes, never a good thing when those things go a bit awry. Should we move on from my household disasters? Do you feel better for having talked about it, Russell? Slightly. Slightly. All I can say is that the guy that did three out of those four things is not coming back to the house. <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. Excellent. So, yeah, where do we want to start with this tonight? Loneliness. Do we want to talk about examples where we've felt that in the workplace, in our personal lives? I'm not sure where we want to go with this. Chris, let's start with you. Thanks. If we think back to the foundations of the test in peers, it, it came out of a position where I felt sort of alone and isolated in the fact that I was a testing leader in my workplace and there were no others. I didn't have someone or someone's that I could really share and do things with and have that sort of sense of community that I needed or I felt I needed. And there was a period of time when I did kind of feel like I was alone. I wouldn't say it was particularly a case of suffering, but I didn't feel like I was benefiting and I was really doing everything that I could do. So in that case, we obviously started this group with probably about 12 people in, in, in the beginning and we did those things and we have been a great support. And I think you three plus some of the others have been really beneficial to my mental health. And I haven't ever felt alone in any of my struggles or needs, wants, requests, any of those things from that day onwards. But if I think to sort of other situations, I've I found myself in this current period of time that we live in with lots of remote working and, and times where there hasn't always been that regular cadence of meetings or discussions beyond status updates and work. I have missed that interpersonal level where a lot of the humanity has been stripped away from my work. And as an extrovert I have struggled with that my sort of coping mechanism is to try and reach out to other people make sure that other people are okay in the hope (laughs) that people care that I'm okay I would agree with that I agree I think there are different levels of loneliness and and I would say isolation as well I think that being lonely and not being able to share. And it does link to sort of communication in that respect and that how we are social beasts as humans and we want to sort of share our time with other people. And so through COVID and being locked down, that has 
created this loneliness and isolation. But I think also in our workload, we can also feel very isolated. We, if we don't have people that we can share our knowledge with or, or reach out to if we're uh, having problems, and we, we have lost people before through my work on projects that because sometimes we only have a single tester on that particular project, they can feel very isolated and therefore they can feel lonely and therefore they also have left the company because of that. I also think that it's important that sometimes if we are feeling lonely or we're on our own at home, sometimes we can sort of challenge ourselves and just do simple steps. So if we haven't got anyone immediately that we can actually talk to, we can just say, you go for a walk and say hello to a stranger, just get a small interaction. You don't need to go into a long conversation, but actually just having that small interaction with someone, it isn't a big step, but it is a social interaction with someone else. Yeah, I would I would agree with what both you and Chris have said. For me, I, the, the way this group started did come at a good time for me because I was in a place where I was feeling, although I had other people around me in similar roles at the company, I didn't feel like anyone was in the same mindset as me. They were all very functional, just do the testing, don't think about anything outside the box, et cetera, et cetera. And I was trying to think of things differently and I felt quite isolated in that respect. And then I've been in in roles since, even in my current role where I'm enjoying the work before I got the promotion, I felt like no one else was challenging me on the testing quality side. So it felt really isolating that whatever I said went. No one challenged me, no one pushed back on things. It was all just, yes, fine, whatever Simon says. And I found that really hard. And that was actually a form of loneliness that I I started. I think I spoke to you guys about it at the time. I just don't know what to do with it. I honestly, I want to be challenged. I want people to push back on me. I want people to ask me questions about what I'm doing. And it actually started to have a bit of a negative impact on, but what if I'm doing it all wrong? What if every decision I make is the wrong one? No one's going to know. No one's going to pull me up on it. And it put me into a bit of a spiral of, I need to do something about this. I need to get people in that challenge me and support me and and work together on stuff. So there is definitely that thing of making sure that as a leader, I feel challenged and not just making decisions in isolation. Same goes for my team as well. I want to make sure that they've got people that they can talk to and whether they're working on their own, they can always have someone that they can reach out to and say, hey, have you thought about this? Or "I'm, I'm working on this, can you help? And I really try to encourage that culture of buddying up and talking to each other for opportunities, where even if you're not work, it's not related. It is interesting, isn't it? I was just thinking back to the start of this pandemic. I changed jobs and I started a new job uh, in consulting. And at that time, consulting was going through kind of the floor. Everyone was dropping consultants off front center. So I joined this company very nicely, took me on at the time, and there was no work for me. So a brand new company, didn't know anyone really in it. Started the job, nothing to do. You're on a bench. Go and do some self-development by yourself. And that's literally kind of what I did. Um, there was occasionally, oh, could you do this task for me? But there was periods of time in that start of the period where I literally did not speak to anyone in my company for two weeks, three weeks at a time. That was very lonely. That speaks to um personal self-care kind of thing that I have a problem with. When I am alone in my life at any point, I forget to plan meals and I just eat as and when I'm ready and then it, it won't I won't prepare well thought out meals. I won't prepare good food for myself. I'll just eat whatever I lose routine. I lose the ability to go to bed on time and do these things because no one else is here. I can do what I like. And it's like that that's on me for maybe 
being dependent on other people for having that routine and, and the dependencies but also I think it sort of speaks to sort of my personality is as I mentioned I kind of need other people there needs to be that back and forth where people are dependent on me and I'm dependent on other people for that thing to, to work and for me to be at my sort of balanced way of caring for myself is when I'm caring for other folks as well and the minute the people I'm caring for disappear I'm not looking after myself I would echo that I think that especially working from home for me I've had my struggles sometimes with trying to be almost too busy and, and not giving myself time things like lunchtime allowing myself to go out in fact when I allowed myself a lunchtime sometimes I felt guilty for actually going out and I very quickly talked to myself and thought, okay, I need to actually have this time to myself so that I can actually live my life and not be dictated to by work. The other thing I would say is that sometimes with loneliness in our heads, we can build up scenarios, we can catastrophize and think of things that are going to cause problems. And actually, most of the time, those things don't actually come to pass. They don't actually take place. But we, in our own thoughts, it can be quite destructive in that thought pattern. I would agree. And I think certain elements of paranoia set in at that point as well, where especially in, in this remote world where you're not hearing conversations that are going on next to you at desks or whatever else. And, you know, you maybe have a meeting where something doesn't go to plan or you say something that isn't quite, you know, doesn't land as well as you hope. There's always that fear that people are then going to be talking about that afterwards. Being in the isolated state of, either being in back-to-back meetings constantly and not having time to reflect yourself or even have a break to go and take a step outside or go and make a cup of tea, it does increase that feeling of, I'm, I'm feeling very isolated here. I might be in meetings back-to-back, but I'm not getting to have proper nice conversations with people. It's just snippets of discussion on the topic that we're having to talk about in that meeting, dropping off that call, then clicking on join the next meeting and just doing the same thing again. So I guess my question would then be is, David, you touched on trying to sort of carve time out for yourself. Has anyone else got any other techniques to try and curb that loneliness that may be creeping in as part of of the remote working? I've taken to, in fairer weather, taking some of my one-to-one chats outside, either in the garden or on a walk, because what I had also discovered on the theme of Chris not looking after himself that I wasn't going outside sometimes for days on end. And the more time has gone by, the more I sometimes just sit there and think I need to be out of the house, which is a strange sensation for me because until the pandemic, I'd never really felt that. I could have felt like I could always be indoors. There was never a problem. But actually for me, like going outside, having a walk is good for my soul. It refreshes me. And I don't always need to be looking at a screen to be able to relate interpersonally with people on a catch-up. If I don't need to share a screen and the other person is willing, if we take a walk and we chat, then that can be a much better thing. I do sometimes take walks by myself also, but you know, if, if your calendar's quite busy and the, the other people are game, that can be quite a nice little trick in life, I suppose. I'm not one for blocking out my calendar to stop people from booking me into meetings but I am quite happy to decline meetings also for me we talked before about the routine getting out of it being a problem so to me I kind of learned to kind of create a routine and to prioritize that routine so I would go for a walk at lunchtime no matter the weather I would do breakfast at a certain time even though it didn't matter if I started work at 11 
a.m. or at 8.30 a.m., I'd kind of make sure I did it and kind of keep some routines. I'd kind of close the door. I'd kind of have a process. I'd do a certain thing in the morning and do a certain thing in the afternoon to kind of deal with it. But to Chris's point as well, I kind of message people. I know that my team leader wouldn't necessarily message me. He'd be busy doing things. So I did know a couple of people. So I messaged them randomly, just ask how it was going. Very simple, open questions. And sometimes they led into conversations. Sometimes talked about what you were doing and said, oh, actually, I know something that could help you. And it drove things. I found that sitting there and not doing anything all the time was a problem. But I also found that sometimes work, I wouldn't get answers. So this peer group, got ministry of testing group, getting more involved in those, going to blog sites, kind of almost kind of trying to find connections was something that I tried to do so that at least I kind of felt like I was having discussions. At times I felt that work was lonely, that life was lonely and just trying to avoid it. I got into really bad patterns once where I would just stay at work till 11 o'clock at night just because there was nothing else to do. So I just work till forever. Again, it was just trying to give yourself a hobby, give yourself a reason to go home at 6 p.m. And it's hard because the only one that can do it is yourself and you're not generally wanting to do it. And you're happy with the bad pattern. It's changing that pattern slowly. And it is a challenge. Another thing I've done is that made sure that I actually talk to people. So I make video phone calls, for example, and make sure that they are able to see or we can see each other, basically, which is, I think is really important. I know that in lockdown zoom you lose context on meetings but actually seeing someone else you can concentrate far better and you can see they where they react much better than actually being on a phone call i try to set routines i try to set periods where i i, I block out for lunch and I, I try to do it every day but ultimately meetings come in that i'm needed for that fill up the gaps and i try and push back as much as i can but i think you know, as well i think as others have said i mean this peer group has been a godsend as far as giving us someone to talk to other than people you're working with day to day, but still having an understanding of what you're working through, working on, um, and those similar topics. And that has been really useful, especially when something's been frustrating or there's something that's not gone quite as well. Being able to vent that to people that understand what you're venting about, because I can vent to my wife and she'll get it to a certain point. But when you start talking about the the context, sometimes that is the key to actually getting your message across and getting some understanding from others and, and support in the right ways. But I think the other thing that I really noticed during this period is, although I've, I was struggling, I noticed others were as well. And especially in my team, there were several in my team that were living alone during the early parts of the pandemic. Um, some of them had moved countries to come and work in the UK. I could sense that their work was suffering because they were struggling. I took it on myself to contact them every day to plug in just to check in whether it be a half an hour one you know it's the one-to-one and make a point of not talking about work with one of the team I made a connection over a certain tv show that we both watched and it enabled us to talk about that and we could talk about what was happening in upcoming episodes etc etc and that was a really easy way for us to start connecting and it enabled her to start feeling a bit more supported and then using that common thread to then build the relationship around that and bring her into the fold more, get her involved in, in more team stuff. To be honest, I felt this loneliness even before when I, I it wasn't the pandemic. I've, I've worked in roles where uh, my previous role where it wasn't particularly enjoyable day to day. And at the time there were struggles in all parts of my life. So the car journey home was, it almost felt like the only safe place I had. And that was my time, but it felt very lonely in all periods. And it is a difficult one to try and push yourself out of. 
but it is important to try and find those things of positivity, find those ways of connecting to others and build on those. One thing I would say is that actually we need to take on ourselves, exactly as you said, Simon, that we need to look for others. We can't always expect people who are lonely to recognise that they're lonely and to do things to actually help them. We need to proactively help them ourselves. There's one guy in in my group who uh, was on their own throughout the whole lockdown. They live on their own. And I did a weekly I went round to their house. I sat in their garden and we just chatted so that he could actually see a human face. It wasn't on Zoom. It was much more personal than that. And it was social, going back to my first point. And it helped him get through that particular time because he knew that that was happening. We weren't able to do it every week, but on those weeks we could do, we did do that. And I think that we need to take some responsibility. And also, I think I said before, I don't always do it nowadays, but I, I'm going to start again, is, is asking people how they feel, how they feel at the beginning of catch-ups and not accepting the message of okay and fine because they aren't actually feelings. Try and actually encourage people to recognise what they're actually feeling because the first thing, as we've said, and we'll probably say again, is actually recognizing those feelings is Mm. is the first thing and being able to vocalize them because actually we can all say we're all okay and fine but sometimes we do feel stressed we feel overwhelmed we feel out of control and it's okay to say that it's it's recognizing those those towels and things as well isn't it because i think we, we we talked about this before but i mean when people ask me how i am i almost default to tired because frankly i am tired but it doesn't it doesn't tell a story it doesn't tell you where i am but i need to be careful because i'm tired anyway but sometimes i'm really tired and there's other things and if your response is tired and people like for me just leave it at that and they don't sort of check in on me further then i might end up going off into a little sort of world where i become quite distant and, and disconnected because i haven't had that and I've got some friends that I, you guys will know that I, I, I habitually message people to check everyone's okay, probably on a, at least a weekly basis. And sometimes people don't get back to me and that doesn't matter. But when I don't message people, I get messages back because <laughs> people get worried that I'm, I'm not here. But I've got some friends that they are struggling. Life is busy. Life is hard. We all have stressful things going on, probably all the time to some degree. And for some folks, it's quite hard to let down our facade our veneer of of strength and support and and, you know i'm fine sort of you know just sort of batting things away and in some cases i've spoken with friends and we've said look i need you to check on me because my default is to say i'm fine just to be able to carry on because if i have to confront this thing i might not do and you know so it's like we, we we discuss what our tells are if we're having trouble or if if we're getting overwhelmed and we're sort of giving each other permission to dig a little bit deeper than it's comfortable to be able to find out those elements and if we didn't have that conversation it might just be that 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 sort of interdependent um, relationship might be the only thing we have that could help us confront that thing that we're trying to avoid which is it's not easy to do because we're sort of it's a bit taboo to talk about struggling about yeah. stuff, isn't it? Even even Absolutely. even in this this year, twenty twenty two, when there's more conversations than any other time in my life, I still feel like it's still kind of taboo to say I'm not having a good time. Hmm. Yeah, but I think this is one thing we probably should say. It's it is normal now in the sense normal may not be the right word, but it's common to not be okay. It is 
And, you know, I can tell you on this that, you know, I'm on antidepressants. It's probably half the population is. It is okay to seek help. It is okay to kind of, to show your vulnerable side. It is okay to speak to the medical professionals. It's okay to go and see counseling, self-refer. It is far better to do that than to continue to suffer or to continue to not do something. And it doesn't make you any less. It doesn't make you not good enough or anything like that. It is, as I said, incredibly common to be suffering from stress, anxiety, depression, loneliness. And if I'm honest with you, loneliness can be triggered by that. You know, one of the classic signs of depression is to avoid contact with people. One of the things you do when your mental health is going downhill is to seek out sort of quietness and to not to kind of be, to hide away, for want of a better phrase. So, you know, be careful if you do feel lonely. It could be a sign of something slightly more than just loneliness, but, you know, seek help if you're not sure. Seek help if you're feeling really down. There are lots of places and organizations and information online that you can use to help you, but it is okay to not be okay. And we've got to remind ourselves this. We're, you know, we're senior leaders in testing in our fields and our areas. And I can certainly say for myself, I've not been okay quite often in my life. I'm still here, still fighting, and I'll keep doing it. Another thing I would say is that do talk to people, but however, you don't need to shout out to everybody. You just need a couple of people that you can have as confidants who you you can talk to that are close friends. You don't need to, to be open with everyone. Just start talking. It's that communication. And even if, as Russell mentioned, there are helplines there who are just there to talk to people. You know, you don't need to give your name. You don't need to be their best friend, but actually just just talking to people is is the main thing. Yeah, I, I would agree, David. I think going back to what Russell's saying as well, I think it's really important that we, we do ex- acknowledge when we're feeling like that, when we're feeling down, when we're feeling lonely, et cetera, et cetera. Acknowledging it is almost the first stage of trying to do something about it. And what I've learned over the last how many years of this pandemic that has gone on and before as well is anger, frustration, everything that causes any upset can lead to some form of loneliness. You suddenly feel that you're not connecting with others. You're not, arguments can cause that feeling of loneliness as well. And it is important that we try and support each other in in ways through that as possible. And I know most workplaces now will have access to employee assistance programs of some kind where, you know, there's services available that you can do anonymously. I've certainly been pushing it with my team that even if you are feeling okay, having those kind of services in your back pocket, you know, most of them come with an app now that comes with loads of good reading and mindfulness stuff that you can be doing, et cetera, et cetera. It's a real powerful tool to check in on yourself and having that time for self-reflection is important. And one thing, Chris, with your weekly check-ins on a Monday morning that I get every week, it's a great way to reflect on how I am feeling and how the weekend has gone. And it is a real, almost a, a good motivator for the Monday mornings is to reflect on what's gone well, connect with you, talk about it a bit. And then we go along with our week and probably sometimes don't talk again until this Wednesday evening uh, discussion. But it's just a nice, it's a nice connection. And it's just sometimes having that regular connecting with people is is really important. Yeah, we mean connection is, is what we've we've obviously talked about and, and finding people to talk to whether we know them or not is those things but i think on top of everything we said is do reach out to people people you know and care let them know it's sometimes the smallest message can can mean a lot we'll, we'll put some uh, links and things in the show notes that we hopefully we can sort of share some ideas there isn't really a, a right way 
to fix mental health not that we really have to do it we need to just talk about it we need to embrace it and understand it better just be, be more aware of these things it's as, as Russell said you know it, it is okay to not be okay in fact most of us aren't okay so that's probably the new okay but let's really celebrate these things and keep the conversations going thank you very much for the conversation tonight gents thank you for joining us again for this episode we hope that you're doing well please reach out to talk to us even if it isn't to give us feedback if you want to reach out to us we're on contact us at testingpeers.com you can find us on most of the socials that middle-aged white men are on facebook whatsapp linkedin twitter please be well and we'll see you next time or you know you'll hear us for now it's goodbye from the testing peers goodbye Goodbye.